If you've checked your mailbox lately, you know you've got a lot of junk mail. I mean, if you're away from town for a few weeks, you come back and your mailbox is just jam-packed full of credit card offers, of sale ads, of just all kinds of stuff that's just sent to resident. may not be sent specifically to you. Isn't it really neat when you get this big pile of mail and you're going through and there's one thing in there that's just a letter for you? When I get that, I think, wow, somebody took the time to write a letter to me, to address it, put a stamp on it, and take it wherever they had to, to mail it. It's really special when we get a personal letter. Today, I'm starting a series called Changed, and this series is about a personal letter. We call it a book of the Bible, but in reality, it's just a personal letter sent from one follower of Christ to another follower of Christ. From one follower of Christ that said, I've seen somebody change and I want to tell you about it. From one follower of Christ who took the time with one life to make a difference to another follower of Christ, he wanted to challenge and ask him to reconsider what his options were. That letter is called Philemon. It's in the New Testament. It's a very short book. It's a unique book, but this book, this letter is interesting because It addresses no specific doctrine. It doesn't address heresies like many other of the New Testament writings, books, letters do. This is simply a letter sent from one follower of Christ to another. This letter was written by the Apostle Paul. Paul wrote this letter while he was in prison. It was written to a man named Philemon who was a a wealthy businessman who hosted a church in his home, a small group in his home. And this letter was written about a guy named Onesimus who was a runaway slave. In the first century, there was more than one way to become a slave. It could be out of military conquest. They could beat up an enemy and then they could bring their military men back and then they would become slaves in that country. You could end up owing somebody a lot of money or some kind of a debt, so you have to become their slave. Or you could just be a slave because of oppression, because of the economic level in which you were born. You could just be born in to slavery. And we don't know how Onesimus became a slave, but one thing we do know is he ran away. He left his master for whatever reason, and his life was changed. And then the story begins. From Paul, a prisoner for preaching the good news about Christ Jesus, and from our brother Timothy, to Philemon, our beloved co-worker, and to our sister Aphia, and to our fellow soldier Archippus, and to the church that meets in your house. May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. I always thank my God when I pray for you, because I keep hearing about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people. And I'm praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. Your love has given me much joy and comfort, my brother, for your kindness has often refreshed the hearts of God's people. That is why I am boldly asking a favor of you. I could demand it in the name of Christ because it's the right thing for you to do. But because of our love, I prefer simply to ask you, Consider this a request from me, Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner for the cause of Christ. I appeal to you to show kindness to my child, Onesimus. 
I became his father in the faith while here in prison. Onesimus hasn't been of much use to you in the past, but now he is very useful to both of us. I am sending him back to you, and with him comes my own heart. I wanted to keep him here with me while I was in these chains for preaching the good news, and he would have helped me on your behalf. But I didn't want to do anything without your consent. I wanted to help you because you were willing, not because you were forced. It seems you lost Onesimus for a little while so that you could have him back forever. He is no longer like a slave to you. He is more than a slave, for he is a beloved brother, especially to me. And now he will mean much more to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. And I won't mention that you owe me your very soul. Yes, my brother, please do me this favor for the Lord's sake. Give me this encouragement in Christ. I am confident as I write this letter that you will do what I ask and even more. One more thing. Please prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that God will answer your prayers and let me return to you soon. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. So do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my co-workers. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Paul. So it's just a simple letter sent from one follower of Christ to another to challenge him to accept this man back who had been changed, who had found a relationship with Jesus Christ. Isn't it interesting how Onesimus, this slave, goes to this big city, Rome, and he meets up with the guy that, other than Jesus Christ, was the most influential figure in early Christianity. God somehow arranged those two people to be at the same place at the same time. If you're here for the first time today, you just showed up at LifePoint for whatever reason, you're here for a reason. Whether somebody invited you or you saw the sign or whatever, you're here for a purpose. You're here for a reason. That's how God works. Just like God put a runaway slave and an effective apostle in the same place, the same city at the same time, he does the same thing with your life. Think about the people who were in your life when you gave your heart and life to Christ and became a follower of him. And how God worked to arrange that so you could be in somebody's life at just the right time. So you could be sitting in just the right place at the right time. That's how God works. That's how he worked in Onesimus' life. And he worked that way in mine. God connected me with people that I never would have otherwise been connected with were it not God working things out so my life could be changed. And he does the same for you. So the next few weeks, I'm going to be talking about what it means to be changed. Today, I'm just going to talk about two quick things about some principles or lessons from a changed life. Lesson number one from a changed life is that a changed person, a person who's different, a person who was one way and is now another, those people don't deny their problems. They face them. And that's what Onesimus did. He wasn't denying he was a runaway slave. He didn't want to keep running. He decided to face his problems. Philemon verse 12 says, I'm sending him back to you. So Paul said, I'm sending this guy Philemon back to you because he's confessed. He he has confessed what he's done is wrong. And I'm sending him back to you for you to consider receiving him back. 
Psalm 38 verse 18 says, but I confess my sins and I'm deeply sorry for what I've done. See, Onesimus wasn't caught. Onesimus confessed. He met Christ, went into a relationship with him, became a Christ follower and confessed and stopped running from his problems. So he hand carried this letter that you all have a copy of back to his master. And this wasn't done without a lot of risk. When a slave returned home, a couple of things were going to happen. One, they could be branded with a mark on their forehead so everybody that would see them would know this is a runaway slave, this is a fugitive, this is a dishonest person, stay away from them. Or they would be executed. So when Onesimus came in with this letter to confess, I ran away, but I'm not the same person I used to be. I now know Jesus Christ, who I didn't know before. Obviously, this slave owner did. When he handed that letter to him, he probably felt blessed that he got to even get through the guy reading it. Because we've all got problems. The thing we need to do is to take this challenge from Paul in this letter to Philemon about Onesimus and face our problems. Because many people walk through life day after day, month after month, year after year, never stopping to face their problems. And it's like a powder keg with a fuse that's lit, just waiting, 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 waiting to just explode. And when we refuse to face our problems, when we go day after day without facing the problems in our life, then an explosion happens. And that's when you walk in and there's a letter on the table that says, I don't love you anymore. That's when you get divorce papers in the mail. That's when your addiction gets so blown up when you've denied it and denied it and denied it, and then it finally blows up and the whole family goes down with it. When it explodes, that's when your anger causes you to do something that you'll regret for the rest of your life. When we refuse to acknowledge our problems and face them, that's when we keep going into the store and swiping the credit card thinking that this purchase is going to fill me up. This time, whatever I buy is going to make a difference in my life, and this is the last time, and things are going to be different. And we reason our way into so much debt, we don't know how to get out of it because we refuse to stand and look at the person in the mirror and say, you have a problem. So the first thing, if you want to live a changed life, is to stop denying your problems and face them. Maybe you're facing a physical challenge and there's an ache, a pain, a lump, or something that's just not right and you think, I'm just going to leave it alone and you're afraid to go to the doctor and you don't go and it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. Face your problems. Maybe you and your spouse have just been butting heads over and over and over and over for months, maybe even years, without stopping to look and say, we have a problem and just admitting We've got issues that we've got to work with. Maybe you deal with anger. Maybe you deal with addiction. Maybe you deal with being overworked and putting yourself in situations where you're overworked. It's time to stop, look in the mirror, and say, I've got a problem. 
And only when you do that and take that first step will you ever be at a place where you can be changed. So what are you facing right now? Just think about it. Name it. What's the problem? Did I name it? Is it something I didn't say? We've all got a problem. And when we have a problem, we have a choice. Number one, we can choose to just relive it. Just relive it. Think about it over and over and over and say, woe is me. Things are so bad in my life. This thing happened to me or I got myself in this mess and blah, blah, blah. I've got so many problems. And we just keep thinking about it and reliving it over and over and over, never stopping to just confess it and face it and try to get past it. So I have a choice. When I have a problem, I can either relive it over and over and over or I can do what the Apostle Paul, the same person that wrote the book of Philemon, said in another book called Philippians, chapter 3, verse 13, he says, One thing I do, I've forgotten what is behind, and I'm looking towards the future. Paul was saying, I don't dwell in the past. I don't just look in the past and say, oh, I was so bad. Oh, I made so many mistakes. I face my problems, I deal with them, and I move towards the future with a new attitude, a new plan in a new way. I can face the future changed when I let God reverse the second choice. First choice is relive it. Second choice is reverse it by God's power. Just like Onesimus did. He had to think, well, what happens if I start running from this problem? What happens when I stop running from this problem, running from the fact I'm a runaway slave? What happens? He had to think that, and he had to be concerned about the consequences, but something happened in his life that made him say, I'm different, I'm changed, and I'm going to do what's right, and I'm going to let God worry about the consequences. I'm going to deal with whatever consequences come my way, but I'm going to face my problems and trust God with the outcome, because he had no idea how his master would respond. You might feel like you're in a battle. You may feel like you're all alone in a battle and there's nobody to help you. So when you look in the mirror, you face your problem, you might think, I'm all alone in this. There's nobody to help me. What am I going to do? But you're not alone. When the nation of Israel was being built, the nation of Israel went through great times of prosperity and peace. And then they went through times of war and of poverty and of famine. And then they would come back and they would go through great times of peace and great times of just abundance and prosperity. They would go through good kings. They would go through bad kings. They would do great for a while and follow God and do what they were supposed to do, and then they would blow it and mess things up. One of their kings was named Jehoshaphat. And some bad guys were coming to pick on Jehoshaphat and the nation of Israel, and he was afraid. He didn't know how to face these bad guys that were coming his way. So these two prophets show up on behalf of God and listen what they say to Jehoshaphat. Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army for the battle is not yours but God's. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. So whatever your problem is, face it. 
You don't have to face it alone. God is with you to walk through the difficulty of facing it, to walk through the challenge of the consequences. God is with you. The second principle of a changed life is don't focus on what was, but focus on what can be. You know, there's two words that we have in our vocabulary, and when we put them together, it really messes with our lives. That's the word if and the word only. And people that focus on those two words say things like, if only I had married a different person. If only I'd majored in something different. If only I'd finished school. If only I had a different job. If only I had a bigger house. If only my kids were just different. If only I'd never taken the first drink. Or if only I'd never taken the first look. If only people live in the past. And people who live like that are some of the most negative people that just hate life because they live in the past. Something you can't change. Something you can't do anything about. It's in the past. So don't live life if only. This slave, Onesimus, was not an if-only person. He was a person of action that said, I'm not going to focus on what was, but I'm going to focus on what can be. And Paul encourages the slave master, Philemon, to consider this man, Onesimus, had been changed. He once was one way, but now he's another way. The two Greek words used in this verse 11 where it says, Onesimus hasn't been much use to you in the past, but now he's very useful to both of us. The two Greek words that make up that sentence mean no longer in the past, but now. So what he's trying to get Philemon to understand is, no longer is Onesimus like he was in the past. Now he's different. Now he's a completely different person. In the past it was one way, But now it's another. Because this man had an encounter with Christ, he changed. Because he became a Christ follower, he's different. Because now this man is going to focus on going forward, not looking into the past. He had been changed. One day I was that person who was changed. One day you were that person who was changed. And you can probably think back in your life and think, well, I used to be this way, but now I'm changed and I'm a different way. When people see me now that saw me 20 years ago, classmates that knew me when I was a different kind of person, their first response, if they haven't had any communication since, is, he's a what? That's the first thing they say. People around me my freshman year in college are like, no way. I don't believe it. Give me a tape. Show me the website. It's got to be a joke. But what they don't understand is I was once one way, but because I chose to follow Christ, I was changed and I was different. And that's what Onesimus went through. I was this way, but now I'm that way. He was this way and now he's another way. And all of you are like that. All of you can say, I was once like this, but now because of the power of Christ, I'm like that. That's available to every person in this room, and it's your choice. You don't have to change, but you can, by the power of God, just like Onesimus did, you can be changed. I sat as a visitor in a jail cell in Baton Rouge, Louisiana with 
a guy in his early 20s who had made so many mistakes and he sat there with tears rolling down his eyes and he said, I've got to change. I've got to stop doing the things I used to do and do something different. And by the power of Christ, he was changed and he did live in a different way. And all of us have that available to us. This principle is carried throughout Scripture. It once was one way, now it's another. You used to live like this, now you live like that. You used to live enslaved by your problems, but now you can be changed and face them and live in the future. That is carried throughout Scripture. The Apostle Paul said on many occasions, it was once this way, but now it's that way. You know, Paul experienced that in his life because Paul was once a Christian killer. He killed people who followed Christ, but now he encourages people to follow Christ. He used to speak against Christ, but now he speaks on Christ's behalf. He lives in a new way. He was changed. Ephesians 5 verse 8 says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Colossians 1 says, Once you were alienated from God, but now... He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death. Ephesians 2 says, You lived in this world without God and without hope, but now you belong to Christ Jesus. And today, whether you're a Christ follower today or not, you can be changed. You want to talk to somebody about being changed? What's that mean? What's the process? There's people equipped and willing to sit and talk with you however long you want to talk about changing, about living in a new way, about facing your problems and moving into the future, focusing on that and not the past. You can be changed, especially if you're not a Christ follower. He can change your life. Helping people find a relationship with Christ is why we do what we do. Why you see what you see. It's to help people into a real relationship with Him so they can be changed.